So today, guys, we're going to come uh, to the end of the series that we've been preaching on, all right, where we've actually called the series first, all right? Now, we've been, you know, and it's going to be our 2020 focus, you know, a stewardship focus where we're going to be tackling a lot of issues of what it means to put God first in our lives. But this last month, we've been talking about putting God first in our hearts, and we've been talking about the financial issue, all right? Now, next week, you know, you guys could rest, all right? I'm not going to be speaking about finances or anything like that, all right? But uh, today we are going to close this series, and today's message, I've named it The Right Foundation. Can you write that down? The Right Foundation, all right? The Right Foundation. God wants to make sure that we each have the right and the proper foundation in our lives, all right? Now, as I was thinking over this message this morning, I was thinking about this idea, if God does miracles today, all right? Because a lot of us have read our Bibles and we read the scriptures and we know all the miracles that God did, you know, from the time literally of, you know, Abraham all the way through, we see God doing miracles in the Bible from opening up the Red Sea and the whole nation of Israel crossing, you know, to a little boy getting a a stone and a slingshot and knocking down this giant, you know. We've seen miracles in the Bible and they're recorded there. And when you read that, you know, I'm sure that you're like, Lord, do you still work like this today? Can you still do miracles in this fashion today? And I know that each of us that are in this room that have put our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ, you guys are still hoping like I am hoping for the future miracle that one day, even though this body dies, it will resurrect with Jesus in glory. That's the greatest miracle I think that we're all waiting for, you know. So we have that down packed. But the question, you know, is if God is doing miracles today, does he do miracles today? You know, on Wednesday night when I was here, how many of you guys were able to make it to Wednesday night Thanksgiving service? How many of you guys made it? All right, so most of you. And a couple of you guys did it. But I mentioned the story of this lady from our church that has her father had passed away. And to me, that's a story that just blows my mind. You know, because medically speaking, scientifically speaking, you know, you know, naturally speaking, I mean, you can't make sense out of it. You know, her dad passed away and, you know, three hours later, you know, all of a sudden after people have been praying, you know, her dad just comes back into himself again, you know, and literally that's what I would call, you know, you know, somebody coming back from the dead. But the amazing thing, it wasn't that he just came back with the symptoms that he had. He came back and all the symptoms that he had before, which actually made him die, all those symptoms were gone including that the guy couldn't even hear, okay, when he passed away and now he comes back and he's hearing better than everybody else that was there in the room. You know, those are the miracles that God does. I really believe that God does miracles today. I believe that that's why at the end of the service we'll have people up here to pray. Why? Because I believe God answers prayer and I believe God does miracles. And maybe you're here this morning and you are a miracle yourself and you know it. You know? Now... When I ask and when I pose this question, the same way that we see miracles like that, I think of this other story of these two, you know, firemen down in Cape Canaveral and they had a boat and they went out fishing on a Saturday morning. And uh, 
The sad thing is that they never came back. They never came home. These two firefighters, Christian men involved in their church, part of the men's ministry, their families and their wives, praying wives, and everybody got together and they were praying for, you know, for, for, for these firefighters, for these fathers, for these husbands to come back home. And, and the story, you know, from the central Florida newspapers that, you know, after four or five days of looking for them at sea, they gave them for loss, you know, and they never came back. So when I think of that, I'm like, okay, Lord, so what happened here? They were being prayed for. These guys were Christians. These guys were involved in church. These guys, my God, they were firefighters, you know, <laughs> their daily lives, they're serving people and, and serving the, the community. And so when we see things like this, we could ask ourselves, where's God today? Is, 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 is he even doing things today? Does he actually hear our prayers? And I want to tell you something, church, and you're watching. I want you guys to, to understand these are not bad questions. You see, I'd rather have these questions and struggle with God and, and be genuine and real with God than just play like if everything's normal and inside you know it's not. It's, it's okay to, to have questions. It's okay to be sitting here this morning and, and, and maybe going through some questions in, in your mind. And, and I want to make sure that, that, that you guys get the right foundation and that you guys are solid. You see, because I don't want you guys to miss the real miracles. You guys could come with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. And I really feel the Holy Spirit is sitting upon this that we're talking this morning. Mark 2 verse 1. This is a scripture. I'm sure that if you've been in church for some time, you've read this or you've heard a message on it. I think I even preached this probably like around July or August, but in a different way. Mark chapter 2 verse 1 through 12. It says... When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where they were staying at was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Now seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Now stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped, he grabbed his mat, and walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we have never seen anything like this 
before. So when we read this story, and I could preach a lot of things on this, but when we read this story, I want to ask you a question. What was the real miracle that took place here? What was the real miracle that took place in, in this story here? You see, because there was a crowd of people that were there. Now, why was that crowd there? That crowd was there because they were following Jesus because of the sensation. Or they were following him, you know, because of the miracles that were taking place, you know. All these things that, that were happening. He was raising the dead. Lepers were getting cleansed. Storms were being stopped. A, a lot of great things were, were taking place. But sometimes we focus on the big and what's sensational and what's amazing and what has fireworks. And we miss, listen to what I'm going to say. We miss, okay, the most important miracle of them all. You see, when Jesus looks at this man, you know, imagine a hole being made here and they start dropping somebody in. It's kind of crazy because they drop in the guy. The guy is paralyzed. You know, you imagine Jesus addressing this guy and he would say like, you know, what happened to you or why are you paralyzed or what do you need or what can I do for you? Something like that. But Jesus looks at the guy and immediately he tells him, son, your sins are forgiven. That's crazy. Because that's not the normal answer that you would give to somebody being dropped from a roof. You know? I mean, Jesus had some crazy answers for people, all right? I mean, he had some crazy answers for people. But when he tells the Pete, when he tells the guy, hey, listen, son, your sins are forgiven, all of a sudden, all these religious leaders, they went into a commotion. It's like, oh, this is blasphemy. All this can't be happening, you know, this and that and, and, and all these things. What was the problem that they had? That Jesus was forgiving his sins. You see, in this season of Thanksgiving, all right, and as we go into Christmas and we celebrate the coming of Jesus, if we're going to talk about having a solid and a right foundation in our, in our lives, I want to make sure that you understand that it all starts with the forgiveness that he's given each and every one of us in this room. That it starts by, by, by understanding that no matter how big your list is of things that you've done, and things that you will do, because I want to tell you, it doesn't guarantee you that because you're in church, you're not going to sin anymore. And you're going to be perfect and you're going to be holy. We all strive for it. We all strive to be the best that we can, to honor God in our actions and the things that we do. But I want to make sure that each of us, we're talking about having the right foundation in our lives. I want you to understand we don't want to miss out what's the real miracle. And that miracle is the one that takes place in here. See, one time they asked Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts was a man that did, I mean, God used him for so many miracles. Healings and, and all these wonders and stuff like that. And one day they asked him, what's the greatest miracle that you ever saw? And he goes, when God would change a man's heart. Because only God could change the heart of a person. All the physical healings and all those things, that's cake to God. But changing somebody here means that it's a fight in the will. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's a struggle. Do I surrender? Do I not surrender? Do I go by what God says? Do I do things my own way? You guys know, all right, 
that there's a fight, that there's a struggle. So let me tell you this morning, my prayer for sure is that if your marriage is broken, man, I pray that your marriage will be repaired. You know, my prayer for you is that if you're hurting in your body, if there's sickness in your body, man, I I pray for, for true healing upon you. I pray that if you're going through some sort of problem or situation this morning, my prayer is that, man, God will extend his hand and, and get you out of whatever situation you're going through. But I'm going to tell you what my real prayer is. I wish all those things, but my real prayer is that your life will have more meaning. My, my real prayer as your pastor is that you would have greater peace going into 2020. That there will be a real joy coming out of your heart that no matter the situation that you're going through, man, you don't lose your joy. That's my real prayer for you. My real prayer for you is that you would give more forgiveness. You would accept forgiveness from people. You see, sometimes in the midst of all the craziness that we go through, hope is born out of tragedy. And sometimes out of the tough situations and the crazy things that we live, God does something that is spectacular. But it's not an outside thing. It's an inside thing. You guys know what I'm talking to you about. It's something deep. It's something here that he does, okay? And some of you guys here this morning, okay, are navigating, okay, some of your own bad decisions, some of the decisions that we make. And we're like, boy, this is going to be a crazy Christmas, Man, this is horrible. You know, I wish I could just fast forward to like March or April or something like that. No, it's Christmas season. And sometimes we got to deal with a lot of the decisions that, that we've made, you know. And a lot of times it's things that have happened to you. Sometimes it's things that you haven't created. Things that you haven't made, all right. But you need to lay a solid foundation. It's important that we lay what, guys? A solid foundation a solid foundation how do we know this is an important question i want you guys to write this out how do we know if someone has the right foundation that's a real miracle how do we know if somebody has the real foundation well it flows from this topic that i spoke about last week and we've been talking about in the series it flows from first fruits it flows from putting god first in our life That's how we know if we have a right foundation or not. Is God first? Are we putting him center stage in our lives, in our hearts, in everything that we do? What we do first in our lives, does it speak about him? Our first words, Exodus, if you guys could come with me. 34 verse 26. Exodus 34, 26. Okay, this is a scripture given by God to Moses, and he's the author of the first five books of the Bible. And uh, he says, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. I repeat, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord your God. Now, most of us have either gone through this scripture or maybe you've heard about it and you're like, what does this really mean, pastor? I mean, am I going to start bringing bananas and aguacates and uh, mangoes next week to church? You know, what does it mean that when I harvest, you know, bring the best to God? 
Well, I'm going to say it in our language today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This is what it means. Matthew 6, 33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and its? All right. That's not easy to do in the times that we're living. I don't know if you have been like me in the last three days, but my emails, all right, I have my church email, I have my personal email, all right, and I have this Apple email that I don't even use, but I I have it, all right. All my three emails have been bombarded these last three days about all the sales that are going on all over the world. (laughs) Has that happened to you? Friday morning, by the time I turned on my phone, I had 42 emails. None of them were for any of you that are sitting here this morning. Not one. Not one, pastor, I need prayer for this. Pastor, I want to give a praise report on Sunday. Pastor, that no, 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 no. They were all Macy's, they were all Groupon, they were all, you know, Nike and Under Armour and all these things. Oh my God, take advantage of this and take advantage. I'm like, this is nuts. And I turned around and I looked at my wife, how hard it is for people that do not have God in the center of their lives right now. Because they get sucked in and pulled away by all this craziness. And by the time that December 1 comes, they won't even have money for the rent because they spend it all at De La Mo. You guys understanding what I'm telling you? It's hard. And the season that we're living in with everything that is being thrown our way to put God first and his kingdom first and his righteousness first. It's like, no, 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 hold on. Let's put all these other things first. Those are the first things that pop on when you turn on your phone. Wait, I was turning on my phone to read my Bible app. And all these pop-ups just started coming up. I'm like, man, they don't even let me put God first. <laughs> like all these things, I got to like move them all out of the way. Some of the old school people are like, Pastor, that's what you need to read the Bible, you know, and don't use your app. You won't get distracted by all that stuff. But the reality is that the distraction is always going to be there. There's a competition going on all the time for this, for your heart. And church, as your pastor, listen, I'm going to tell you freely out of my heart today, I am not after not even one dollar out of your pocket. I don't care about that. It's your decision or not. You know what I want you to do? To make sure God is Lord and King of your life. Because if He's Lord and King of your life, all these other things that are around us, man, they will fall into place and you won't be distracted by it. And that's what exactly what first fruits is. Is putting God first in time, order, importance, and the list could go on and on and on. So the question is, how do you leave that legacy? How do you leave that legacy to your children as your children are watching? 
Their grandchildren are watching. If you're a child one day, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have your family. If you don't put the right foundation in place now, it's going to be harder then. Do you want to have spiritual success, if I could call it that? You see, in the third epistle that the Apostle John writes, is only one chapter. The third epistle is right at the end of the Bible, right before the book of Revelation, third John, okay, in verse 2. He writes the following. He goes, I want you to prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. I want you to prosper in everything as your soul prospers. Is your soul prospering this Christmas? Do you feel prosperity in here? Do you feel, wow, man, I have more peace this Christmas than I've ever had before. I have more joy this Christmas than I've ever had before. I feel that I'm going harder after God this Christmas than I've ever had before. You see, he wants you to prosper in your health, in your finances, in your relationship. He wants you to be happy. God wants you to prosper and succeed in everything that you put your hand to. And God's blessing, please take this in your heart, church, this morning. God's blessing will overtake you. God's blessing will overtake you if you put him first in your life in all things. David said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm not going after goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy follow me when I put him first in my life. Now, if you ignore it, the same is true. <laughs> if you ignore the law of first fruits, the law of putting him first, the law of, then you're going to experience all the opposite. That's the truth. You experience lack, you experience misery, frustration. And let me tell you something, this decision of putting God first, listen to this. It will affect everything. It will affect the way you make decisions. It will affect your family. It will affect your business. It will affect how you treat others. Putting God first, listen, it will affect every and the most important situations of your life. Every area. Our God the creator of the universe, listen to this, he desires, or maybe I'm going to use a stronger term this morning, God, the creator of the universe, our God, our father, not only desires, but he demands that he would be first in our lives because he's God. So a God doesn't beg. A God has to be worshiped. He demands that we put him first. And listen, this is not for you to prove it to me. No, you prove it to him. You prove it to him. For example, why do we encourage people to go to church on Sunday? I was praying this morning at home. And I was going over my notes and I was just praying for you guys and for the service and everything. And I was telling, Lord, why are we coming to church today? I was like, oh Today's the first day of the week. It's Sunday. You see, the first day of the week is not Monday. 
all right? That could be the first day of your work week. But the first day of the week is which day? It's Sunday. So we encourage each other to do what on Sunday? We come to church because we want to put God what? We want to put God first in our lives. And we believe that if we put him first on our Sunday, on our day of worship, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is then he's going to bless the rest of the week. Because if you give him the first, what does the Bible say? That he will bless the rest. How many want to have a great week this week? Raise your hands. How many of you guys want to have a week, you know, with less stress and less frustration and all that? Well, we're starting the right way. How are we starting? By putting God first. How many of you guys woke up, had breakfast, and came directly to church this morning? Raise your hand. Praise God. Amen for that. And I want to encourage you guys, you know, to be faithful. You know, attending, you know, coming, supporters, all right, of the local church. I'm not saying that just because I'm the pastor. No, I, I, I live this, man. I do it. Make church a priority for you, for your family. There's no better way of setting the course for the week, you know. And remember this principle. Once again, the first fruits sanctifies the fruit that follows. So this is the heart of the teaching this morning. You want to know, Pastor, what's the heart of all this? Putting God first in your life establishes his lordship over you. If he is not first, he is not Lord. And if he is not Lord, there's no blessing or no favor. That's the heart of the teaching. If you put him first, he's your Lord. If you don't put him first, he's not your Lord. Is either one or is the other? There cannot be any true prosperity in our, our lives if we choose to put other things in front of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be first? What does it mean to be first? It means proceeding all others. This is the definition. In time, order, and importance. Proceeding all others in time, order, and importance. And this is a phrase that I just want you guys to take this phrase. God is Lord of all or not at all. God is Lord of all or not at all. Like, oh, he can Lord over this and he could be my Lord over that and he's my God, but don't touch this. Don't touch my finances. Don't touch this time that I've set apart to you know, go play basketball and soccer with my pals, you know, don't touch this. No, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. When your desires, your plans, and your ideas become more important to you than God's plan, you have adopted an attitude of self-sufficiency. When you seek after your own ambitions, you're challenging God's authority over your life. You know, and I think of Peter. This year I've spoken great of Peter. I've used him in a lot of great ways. But today I'm going to use Peter in, in a way that we could identify him. You see, when Jesus said, I'm going to the cross, Peter said, Lord, don't let that happen. We don't want you to die. It sounded like a great thing. He's caring for Jesus. 
And when they came to arrest Jesus, what did Peter do? Man, he drew that sword and started chopping people's ears off. <laughs> Jesus, like, Peter put away that sword. <laughs> Jesus picks up the guy's ear and puts it back. Peter's like, no, man, you're defeating the purpose, you know? You imagine that, man? This Roman army and Peter pulls out. <laughs> man, it been like a switchblade or something, you know? You see, sounded spiritual, but Peter was looking out for himself. Lord, don't let this happen to you. If it happens to you, what's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to me? <laughs> you see, in reality, what was going on, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Get behind me, Satan. You imagine that? Peter's like, whoa. <laughs> what happened to Jesus? Jesus called Peter Satan. Get behind me, Satan, because you put your eyes and your heart on the things of man, not in the things of God. So whenever you and I are putting our eyes on the things of man and not on the things of God, guess where that influence is coming from? It's not coming from heaven. It's coming from the kingdoms of this world. And it's a constant battle. And we're susceptible to it all the time. Because we are in this earth. We are flesh. We're dirt. The Bible says we're here today. We're gone tomorrow. Listen, guys. It's a constant thing. So how do you know if you have the wrong focus and the wrong attitude? Very simple. When you refuse to put God first, when your will is not God's will, your attitude and my attitude is controlled by the enemy. And if you sometimes feel like me, that I'm like, Lord, how about me? You feel slighted. You know, you, 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 you feel that, well, how about my rights? You know, we live in a democratic country. What about my rights and my votes and what I want? Guess what? The most likely you're not putting them first. And that's why you're fighting for what your right is. Listen, we are called to be sons and daughters, but we are called to be servants of the Most High God. Servants. We're children that serve our Father. And we do it with joy. But my kids know when Daddy's serious... Is serious. And I play around with them. I joke around with them. I love the relationship that I have with my kids. But there's times when it's like, hey, this is it. So when you and I, guys, are obedient with Him and giving Him what's first and giving Him our first fruits, you make it possible for the Lord, the Bible says, to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon us that you and I cannot contain. Your obedience and my obedience is what activates the power and the promises of God. I want you to write that down. Your obedience and my obedience are what activate the promises and the blessings of God. God told Abraham, hey, get out of the house of your father. And go to the land I'm going to show you. 
Abraham didn't stay sitting around, well, you know, I don't know if this is God. I'm kind of good here. God has really blessed me here. Things are going pretty good here. No, you know what Abraham did? He packed up everything. Let's go. And then the Lord speaks to him again when he finally has a son called Isaac. And he goes, Abraham, take your one and only son Isaac and go to Mount Moriah. And I want him to be offered to me as a sacrifice. And this is what blows my mind about Abraham. I really look up to him. It says, very early the next morning, he saddled up his donkey and he took his son and he went. Very early the next morning, I would have taken about two months to follow through with that one. I would have been fighting with the Lord and asking, Lord, well, if this is you, you know, let rain fall here, but let no rain fall here. Has that ever happened to you before? Lord, if this is you, make sure that the sun is coming out from the west and going out by the east, you know. No, the Bible says that Abraham got up early in the morning. What did he do? Let's go do what God is asking. And that's why he's called what? The father of the faith. You want to know about faith and trusting God and putting God first? Look at Abraham's life. I want you to close your eyes right there where you're at. I promise next week I will not speak to you guys about money or first fruits. I'm actually closing this series here today. But there were your eyes closed. You've been coming to church now for about four weeks and just hearing over and over first and first and first and first and first. Well, is he first? You want me to preach something else? I got to see a different result from your life, man. Is he first? Make sure you go into this Christmas season and whatever it is that you're wrestling with, you put him where he needs to be. Make sure he's in the rightful place right now in your life. And not only out of words, but in your heart, you're trusting him. Listen, I know that you guys are moving in faith. I know most of you guys that are here in this room. I've seen you guys in these last few weeks. Commitment and first fruits and do this and do that. I've seen the way that you guys have been walking. Ask your pastor. But I, I'm never going to stop challenging you. Because excellence is not comparing you to somebody else. Excellence is comparing you to the best version of you. I want to push you to be great. I want to push you to put God first. I want to push you to say, you know what? I was part of a church back in 2019, 2020. Boy, with that pastor, he made sure that, I, that Jesus was the Lord of my life. That guy would talk every Sunday about making sure that Jesus was where he needed to be. If there's something you take out of this today, as we go on into Christmas... Jesus, be the center. Be the center of what I'm doing. So I want you guys to close your eyes and just take a moment. We're going to sing a song here real quick. And in a moment, I'm going to make an invitation to you guys. You see, in the Old Testament, God told his people that the firstborn needed to be either sacrificed or redeemed. If you had a firstborn animal, 
firstborn son. It had to be sacrificed or redeemed. Of course, if it was a firstborn son, you would redeem. But the firstborn animal, it was sacrificed. Now, listen to this principle, and I want you to pay attention here a second and just meditate on this. God took his firstborn, his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, and he had the option of sacrificing and redeeming him. What he did is that he sacrificed him. Same thing applies for everyone. He sacrificed his son on the cross of Calvary. He died the first fruits of God for the salvation of many so that he could sanctify the whole batch. So he could sanctify the remaining dough. So he could sanctify the rest of the sons. The firstborn was sacrificed so that all the other ones could be saved. And this morning I stand in front of you as your pastor and I want to let you know that if you're here this morning and you have not received yet that sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid for you on the cross, this morning you can make that decision in this place and leave this church this morning, leave that transmission right now, knowing in your heart full well that all your sins are forgiven and that you are a son or daughter of God with the gift of eternal life. And you're like, Pastor, how do I do that? Invite Jesus into your heart. Invite Him as your Lord and Savior. Receive Him today. Receive His forgiveness. And say, Jesus, I understand that that sacrifice was for me. So I want everybody to repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, today I thank You. Because You were sacrificed by the Father on that cross to redeem me. To pay for me. And today, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life and forgive me of all my sins and take me by the hand to have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And from today forward, allow me to put this message into practice. And to make you first in my life. In everything. In your name we pray. Amen.